Time now to bring in our pal Joel Clad, who no doubt he lives in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt he's planning on bringing his boys to the uh, Avs Kings game tonight yeah. in L.A. You got that uh, that uh, that on the docket there, Joel? Buddy, there's zero chance that anybody that lives in Orange County is driving themselves into L.A. for any reason. <laughs> so I'll be watching. <laughs> 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 it is one thing about. Well, I hope you at least have your boys decked out in avalanche gear. They are representing the Avs yeah, out they, there, are they? They are. They uh, are. It's been it's been an incredible last like really year and a half. You know, ever since the Avs won, they got into that, and and then they got really into the Nuggets, and now they're obviously huge Buffs fans, which is just a departure from the way that I grew up in in the city. And any of you that are my age, I'm I'm 41, almost going to be 42. You grew up in Denver, and it was just like it was all about the Broncos all the time. And now we've got to sit through the crap that the Denver Broncos give us every Sunday. Yeah, it is bad, isn't it? And um, Joel, I, w- I would, I would just ask you: like, are you ready? Do you believe that it needs to be rebooted, and you need to get rid of players, and you need to start playing young players, and accumulate draft capital, and move in a different direction? Uh, yeah, yes. It's not changing. These are not good teams that are beating the Denver Broncos. That's the thing. Is like it, it would be one. They still have to play the Chiefs, <laughs> folks. What like what are we talking about? Look at the teams that they're losing to. Um, outside of Miami, you know, I, I just you know you lose to Vegas. Vegas can't score twenty points. Um, you lose to the New York Jets with Zach Wilson. Guess what that means? Control Alt Delete. You know, like restart the computer. It's just, it's, it's not working. I've been, I have been long a, a Russell Wilson defender, apologist. I just thought that eventually this thing would work. He plays so slow. It drives me insane. His feet are slow. His decision making is slow. He's, he doesn't have a ton of velocity on the ball. Um, and, and to, for a veteran that's been in huge situations, his situational awareness is so low and I, I, like I, on Sunday, all I can do is sit there and tell my six-year-old who's playing quarterback for his flag football team, like whatever you see, don't do that. Mm. Well, now. All right, I'm going to wedge drive here because Mark took a good look at the coach's film of uh, especially the second half when the offense once again ground to a halt. At one point, had uh, negative 16 yards in, in their first four drives. Looked at yeah, the coaches. That was, fun, that was a fun streak of drives. Fun stuff. And we looked at the coach's film. He's like, "Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Take a look at this." And Mark, please tell me if I'm taking you out of context. But basically, said all I'm seeing is uh, receivers not winning. I'm seeing sure. bad scheme. I'm seeing offensive line breakdowns. Very little yeah. of this would I put on Russ. Is that correct, Joel? No, uh, correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with that. And and I'm not saying that Russell's the only problem. Um, but when you're talking about a reboot, you've got you've got to start with a centerpiece, a cornerstone, if you will. And and I I don't think that's it. I think if everybody's playing perfect around him, can he be effective? Yes. Um, are they playing perfect around him? No, that's that's part of the problem. I think the wide receivers are 
the only word I can come up with at times is like almost apathetic in their routes. There's no urgency, you know, like those are words that I think of when I'm thinking about route pictures and timing and, and it's an apathetic picture. Um, the offensive line has been bad for a few years. Mark, you, you and I have talked yes. about it, you know, whether it's in the run game or like what was happening late in the game. And I know that this is a tough situation, but late in the game where you just like can't protect at all, the, the edges are just a sieve. Mm-hmm. So yes, all of that is correct. I believe that it's not, I think both can be true. Cause when I watch him specifically play, he drives me nuts. I think that the, at, at times, let's just put it this way. I was taught, now granted, I didn't play at th- this level, but I was taught that the timing of the offense is kept in the quarterback's feet. And Sean's offense is this type of an offense. And, and at its roots, it's, it's a West Coast offense at its roots. Now, there's, there's certainly things that are somewhat different, but one of the reasons why Drew Brees was so good, and I've talked with guys that played with them, played with them myself for those few months in New Orleans, is that there was an expectation based on Drew's feet and his urgency in the pocket of what the picture was going to look like and the timing of that picture. And I can tell you this, like Mark Ingram, I work with him now on, on Big Noon. And and Mark and I talk about this all the time. And he, he said that it wasn't the coaches who set the lineup in New Orleans. It was Drew's feet that set the lineup. The guys that could make the pictures on the timing of Drew's feet and play with that in, uh, urgency were, were playing. And so you have an obligation as a quarterback not to be uh, – not – not to be the the one that is in second position to what the wide receivers are doing, but you're the one that is placing the standard on them. I believe that as a quarterback and, and Russell doesn't seem to be doing that. I, I, in particular, I, again, Mark, when I watch it with all the problems that are going on and there are many, the methodical nature with which he plays drives me insane. How does the wide receiver have urgency if the quarterback doesn't have urgency? Because to me, the standard of the offense is held in that position. So I, I would ask you this because I, I love that. And, you know, you you heard it all growing up or all coming up through the NFL is is that you throw the ball with your feet. That's what That's what I always heard guys say. You throw the ball, the timing of the offense is through the feet and the drops of the quarterback. And if that first option is not open when you know you hit that fifth step, then it's hitch up once, now it's the second option, right? Now it's the pure progression passing um, that you use and you operate with your feet. I would ask you this, from just a leadership standpoint, the quarterback position, when you are or you have a lack of urgency from your receivers, when you have a lack of, you know, beating man coverage, as Mike Shanahan used to say, if you can't beat man coverage in this league as a receiver, you'll be selling cars because that's the value you have to us. So at what what is Russ's responsibility from the standpoint of if your receivers don't seem to be giving the effort that you need, aren't you as a quarterback obligated to, to snap the offense, snap it awake, so to speak? Uh, th- yes. I mean, that's and that's much easier said than done. Um, they only eat if they catch the football. That's that is the currency in the NFL. You are not going to be in this league for long. You will be jobless, out of a job, unemployed, 
if you don't make catches. And so the timing with which I throw the ball as a quarterback should be the only factor that you're worried about. And if you allow the wide receiver to dictate to you when he's going to be open, then you're doing it backwards. So every moment of every practice, whether it's one-on-ones or seven-on-seven or team throughout the entire year, as a quarterback, you have to understand that you are developing and building an internal clock for everybody that you play with. If you're not playing with the same urgency at all times as a quarterback, you will never teach them the urgency with which they need to play. The ball has to come out. And if it's not caught, they'll learn because the currency of his employment is catching the rock. So does that make sense? Like, so this, this goes way back to OTAs and camp and, and every time during a game, like the ball has to be out and you can teach them the timing with which you need to play. And, and a lot of this, I think that the apathy within the wide receiver room in part is due to the methodic nature that Russ plays. And he, he's got to see throws before he makes them. He doesn't anticipate as well as I thought he would anticipate. Um, and, and all of that leads to an offense that at times feels disgusting and stagnant. Joel Klatt presented by Audi Flatirons as we chop it up with Joel. Sean Payton, it was a, a brutal, brutal Sunday for, for Sean Payton. Every, everything that he said during the summer about Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets came back like yeah. like karma like you've never seen. And I'm I'm curious where you're at with Sean right now because people are questioning Sean. They're they're questioning sure. his um his his passion for coaching. Did he did he lose it during the year that he was doing TV for Fox? Has he has he gotten rusty? Has he uh, lost the ability to to deal with players? The, uh, is is his um ego and uh, arrogance out of out of control? Uh, where are you at with Sean? Because it, it certainly well, has been a disappointing uh, first year. You know, and no head coach is going to overcome his quarterback. Um, ask Bill Belichick how that's going. So the, the level of importance of the offensive coach, I, I think it's overblown in the NFL. Um, I think that you see that when Matt Stafford goes down and all of a sudden Sean McVay is not the wonder kid. Um you know, when, when Brock Purdy goes down and all of a sudden Kyle Shanahan can't fix it all himself. Um, it, you know, when, when John Elway walks out the door and Mike Shanahan basically doesn't have any more success, when Bill Belichick loses Tom Brady and guess what? He just lost, what was it, 34 nothing, And they're one and four, I believe, in New England. Uh, and he's, he's quote unquote the greatest that we've ever seen. You know, so, so the, the coach's ability to, to, overcome the quarterback position in this league is minimized. And in particular, you know, the last play Russell's hot. He, he gets a, a pressure that mm-hmm. isn't picked up and he's got the back free releasing to the pressure side. That's what Sean was saying. He wasn't saying throw the ball away. The broadcast got it wrong. He was saying, why didn't you throw it to the back? who was wide open. And this is an example of like the, the play is correct. Now I didn't watch the coaches tape. So Mark, maybe that there was a spy over the back. You can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but that's what Sean was mad about. 
They overloaded. They brought the backer, the second-level player. He's unblocked. He's unaccounted for. If he was accounted for, then it's a totally different story. The back is free-releasing to that side, and Russell runs to his left with the ball in one hand? What? If, like, what are you doing? Gross. And so he walks off, and Sean's looking at him and is like, really? Like, what, did, what was wrong with the back out of the backfield? So my distaste, if you will, for Sean is, is much lower than my frustration with the way that the quarterback is playing. And, and in large part, that's due to the fact that I feel like in this league, I think that we give coaches way too much credit. There's no coach in the league currently that is just like overcoming what his quarterback can or can't do. You know, all of a sudden, Zach Taylor wasn't as good when, when Joe Burrow had a calf injury. And then Joe Burrow gets healthy, and it's like, oh, what happened? Did Zach Taylor all of a sudden have a better game? No. No, he had a quarterback. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think the one thing frustration-wise with me is teams, when they play the Broncos, attack the protection, and um, you know, which is a smart thing to do. And there are so many times where they're getting free runners that aren't picked up, and those results in sacks, hits, uh, and the ball doesn't seem to come out. So I think that's a great point. I'll go back and look at that uh, on the coach's tape, that last fumble, Joel. But uh, I think that's a great point about Russ and about this offense. And just about the coaching relationship. You and I have talked about that forever, the coaching relationship um, versus the quarterback relationship. All right, while we're talking about coaches, let's uh, let's move over to uh, Deion Sanders, who kind of – Stunned some people with his reaction after a win, a exciting uh, last last minute win uh, over Arizona State, and he was like down in the dumps. He's like that that's that's unacceptable. The way we're playing, it it's not my standard. I, I expect more. I demand more. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute, coach, you're you're, you're four and two. You're you're exceeding everybody's expectations. Why are you down in the dumps? Did you did you like his response following a win? I I did, and and the reason is because it's it's true. I think that he's frustrated and rightly so with the 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 wild peaks and valleys that you're seeing from Colorado. So when he sees you know a second half uh, like they have against USC, and he sees the 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 effort that they are playing with and he, and he sees the level of, of competition um, that was presented across from them with USC. He, he believes that, okay, like we can, that's who we are. And then he sees the valleys, whether that's the first half against USC or, or big stretches of that game against Arizona state. And he's, and he just thinks to himself, like what in the world don't these guys have any pride? And, and for him, remember, and this is something that you've got to remember. Dion was uniquely aware that everything that he was going to do as a player was going to be on the highlight film. So, you know, Gus asked him in our meeting, like, where did you get this drive, this competitiveness? And in particular, when you're thinking about just in, in a one-on-one situation, me against him, it's like, I've got to beat him. And he said, I knew that if I got beat, it was going to be on every highlight in America. So every snap he was playing with that urgency when he was a player. Now that that's the same type of mentality he wants to coach with. 
because he understands that 10 million people watch him against Oregon and 7 and 8 million people watch him in every other game. In fact, every game that's not on that ridiculous Pac-12 network that they've played has been in the top eight watched games in college football. Everybody's interested in what he does. And so for him, he, he believes that everyone around him should have that standard or knowledge that it's like, listen, I am putting myself out there. And so when it's not to the level that he expects or wants or needs out of his team, he gets really frustrated. And so for me, I think it's about the peaks and valleys. He sees the potential, and then he sees these valleys at times and pockets of these games, and I think it's wildly frustrating for him uh, to watch the guys play that way for, for stretches of, of the game. I I think it's really interesting just knowing Dion, um, kind of the juxtaposition of the flash. You know, you see Shadur go to the student section with the watch, you know, and, and taunt the, uh, you know, taunt the student section. But I also know the old school mentality that Dion has and the attention to detail and the work ethic and the practice habits and all those things. And you talk to the guys who played for the Cowboys when Dion was there. They would talk about his ability to read the read the offense and know who the ball is going to and just his overall knowledge and kind of old school mentality. And I think that's what people don't really see. They see the flash, but they don't understand the drive. I think that's what kind of sets Dion and his team apart. Do you not agree with that? I, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's what is is working you know when you see the videos uh, of the way that he speaks to the team and you know he's he's constantly on them and holding them to a standard that that they might not even be able to to reach you know the potential of this team uh in its full capacity might be a little below the standard with which Dion wants them to play uh but i think in the long run that's going to be a good thing i wasn't surprised when he did that after ASU and candidly, I'm quite thankful because it's a, it, it's true. They didn't play their best. And at some point that's got to be called out. And, you know, and by the way, Shador has got to play better. Um, there are times when, when he stat pads a little bit by taking sacks when he needs to throw the ball away. And there are guys that do this. Now there are guys that will take sacks and, in order to you know keep completion percentage up or interception numbers down, and there are moments, not all the time, not all the time, but there are moments when when that seems to to happen, and and he's got to play better, and the offensive line has got to play much better, and that's that's obvious. But then just the effort level on defense from what you saw in the second half against USC to what you saw against Arizona State. I think that that was mainly his frustration. Uh, real quick, as somebody, I, I know you have old school uh, values, but you cover today's modern college football, college football athlete. How did you feel about Shador taunting the uh, the Arizona State student, student section the other night? Listen, it's it's not what I would do, but at the same time, you know, I I think that You've got to be authentic to who you are. Um, Here's one thing that I I would say is that I generally will give you a huge pass if it seems to be something that you're doing with or for your teammates. Like, for instance, Baker Mayfield planting the flag in the 50 at Ohio State. I think we all remember that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
Shudors at times can feel a little bit more individual. Um, and, and that's where I would caution him. If I were to talk to him today, that's where I would caution him. Make it about your team. Make it about them. And the more you make it about them, the more they feel invested in your success. It's like Steve Nash winning multiple MVPs. Why? Because he kept everybody else's hands full on the, on those teams. So, so that's what I would say. Um, you're right. It's, is it my cup of tea? No. Does it seem to work for him? Yes. Would I caution him to make it more about his teammates? Yes. All right. We got this week. You got what? Michigan, Indiana. Michigan, Michigan, Indiana. Just a the, just a smooth little thirty-two point spread. Yep. Um, and then I've got Penn State, Ohio State next Ooh. week. So that'll be good. But I'm excited to see Michigan. I mean, this is a Michigan's legitimately a team that can win the national championship. So is this I, your I, first I'm pretty Michigan game? Is it your first Michigan game this year? This year, yeah. Oh, that's they've been playing Little Sisters of the Poor. And so, as their schedule picks up, I'll get to see him a little bit more. Are you anticipating another stare down with Jim Harbaugh this week? No, to man. Blinks yeah, first. Jim and I, Jim and I seem to have come to an, an understanding. So <laughs> <laughs> he's just so good. My favorite is asking Jim like awkward questions. Yeah. Then he does just stare at you, kind of like cross-eyed, like what? You know, like I'm going to ask him at some point in our meeting on Friday. I'm going to be like. Tell me more about YouTube TV. Because he had that whole rant about like, yeah, wife's got us on the YouTube TV now. You know? And I'm just going to ask him about it and see if his head explodes. <laughs> By the way, Joel, in classic Joel Clapp fashion, I'm standing on the sideline getting ready to do a Tennessee game. This is at practice on Friday. And Vrabel eyeballs me. He just starts staring at me. And I start staring at him back. And it lasted an awkward 10 to 12 seconds. Before he had to go back and coach, before he had to go back and coach, and we just both just stared at each other. For, and you know how long ten seconds of staring feels? Feels like an eternity. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. I love it. I, and and you know what? He he loves it. Whether he knows it or not, yeah. Vrabel in the back of his mind is like respect. Yeah, respect given. It was the best. As it, actually, it was the best meeting we ever had. Hey, we got to roll, Joel. But uh, appreciate you, buddy. Awesome. Guys, have a great day. There you go. Joe Klatt, lead college football analyst at uh, Fox Sports and presented each and every week with Audi Flatirons.